Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Good morning, Hope Unlimited. I tell you what, I am stoked to be here. I want to give everybody in Knoxville a big thank you. You guys are graceful because I can't stand there. I'll be finding that out while I'm walking back and forth. I'm a Florida Gators fan, so I really appreciate the grace and the mercy that you guys have extended me because I've not been arrested, I've not been kicked out of the hotel, and there's a police officer in the school when I saw him, I was like, uh-oh, you know, he's coming for me. And here's another thing, not only am I a Florida Gator fan, I'm also recently an Alabama fan. I know the Lord's done a work, but Mariah, our youngest daughter, she's not here with us this morning. She's actually on a missions trip in Costa Rica. She got accepted to the University of Alabama a year before she graduates high school, so roll tide. So the Lord is doing the work. They're gonna pay for her tuition, so roll, roll, roll tide. I don't even know if that's an appropriate saying for Alabama. I'm just honored to be here. My wife, Christy, and Savannah, and Casey, my daughters, we are from Hamilton, Alabama, and we are just very excited to be a part of what God is doing here. Worship team, when you guys said that resurrecting king is resurrecting me, I, don't, I lost my mind. I didn't know where I was. I actually heard this, though, about that song. Oh, can't that spot. That that is what they're singing in heaven right now. The saints from years and centuries and millennia gone by are in heaven right now looking at Jesus and they're saying, you are the resurrected king and you are resurrecting me. You're going to resurrect them. And that song is just playing on and on. It's not like on repeat on our iPods. That song is being sung by thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of saints right now. So thank you. And even that last song was just a declaration of what Jesus does. When he comes now, he brings hope right now. He doesn't bring it at his resurrection when we die and go to heaven. No, he brings hope right now. And I love that about Jesus, that right now, faith is right now, hope is right now, and what a more appropriate place to sing that than hope unlimited. There is unlimited hope through faith in Jesus. Can I tell you a little bit about myself before my beautiful wife? And I mean beautiful wife. I love you. Before we moved to Hamilton, Alabama, I was actually in law enforcement in Richmond, Virginia for 18 years, and it was a wonderful honor and duty. I think there's somebody who was involved in law enforcement here. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you for your service. In those 18 years, I was able to be a patrol officer. I was able to be on the riot squad, whatever that is. We called it the tactical field force. I was a detective. I was on the SWAT team. Man, it was awesome. After about 10 years of being in law enforcement, I decided, you know what? It's time. I'm going to take the test to be promoted to a sergeant, the promotional examination with the Hanover County Sheriff's Office in Virginia. And it was the most grueling test I have taken in my life. It was five hours long. It was a written test and it tested my ability and my skill and my knowledge that I know the policy, that I know the code of Virginia, that I know our standard operating procedures. What was my decision-making ability process and it was grueling. It taxed everything in me. 
It was a physical draining, mentally draining, emotionally draining. And after the test, I'm like, dear God, thank you that that thing was over because those tests will drain you. But what I found about those tests for promotion was the sheriff and his command staff was not testing to see if I had the anointing or the skill or the ability. I mean, I walked into the room and there's 15 other people and he could say easily, this person, this person, this person, this person, they were all qualified. They were all anointed. They were all skilled. They all had gifts. They all had abilities. They were all incredible. They had the education and the experience. What the sheriff was testing was, was I ready? And that's what tests are about. It's not testing to see if you have the skills. You've got the skills. You've got the anointing. Are you ready? That's all the tests are for. And not only did that sergeant's test reveal to him and his command staff who was ready, it also revealed to me about my heart. Was my heart ready? Because how many of you know, you know, we're, we're talk to God and we think, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for the next step. Dear God, what's the next step? I'm ready for it. Bring it to me. Just bring it right now. Send the angels right now. Gabriel, Michael, let them tag team. Let them come down right now and bring me my next step. And he says, really? You want the next step? Okay, well, let's show it to you through a test. Can anybody testify that is the truth where we think we're ready and then a test comes and they're like, oh, I'm not ready. I am so not ready. That's what I love about the Lord. You know, I noticed too, when I went into promotional examination for sergeant and I began to look at all the candidates, I actually began to compare myself to them. Wes, I began to look at him and say, do I have as much experience as this person has? Do I have the right amount of education? Have I made the number of arrests or speeding tickets or stops? And I began to compare myself to them. That's what God tests are not about. They are not about comparison. They are not about competition. He wipes that all away because a God test is all about the readiness and the maturity of our heart. And that's what I love about our father. He's a good father. He doesn't want us to compare ourselves to anybody else. I had a dream June 18th. And in the dream, I was preaching at a church and went straight through the ceiling. And I was just like floating and hovering into the clouds. And then the dream this wind begins to blow. And this word comes up, it says you, and it takes away. A wind blows again, and the second word, be, B-E, appears, takes it away. Well, another wind blows. Don't you love the wind of the Holy Ghost? Blows and brings up a third word, you, you be you. God only wants us to be ourselves. He doesn't want us to compare ourselves. He doesn't want us to compete against one another to see if we measure up to some invisible standard. He wipes that all away and his tests are only revealing our maturity and our readiness. Don't you love that about God, how he just takes away jealousy and pride and strife and striving and competition? He's such a good father. So why does God send us these tests? Not only does he want to reveal to ourselves the condition of our heart, our readiness, it's a weighty thing to advance the kingdom on the earth. We are believing for God to pour out his glory. Let that last song show us your glory. Do you know how he does that? 
through sons and daughters, through followers of Jesus. He literally pours out his glory into us, and that's how we carry it on the earth. That is a weighty thing. It is a heavy thing. It's a great responsibility. It's the greatest honor in my life to be able to do that with him. But it's so heavy and so weighty. The last thing our Father in heaven wants to do is to send us something that we couldn't handle. I've got two daughters. They're 19 and 17. I don't go to them at five years old and hand them the keys to the car. It's not because I don't love them. It's because they're not ready for it yet. And I don't want them to get hurt. And our father is such a good father. He doesn't want to hurt us in any way. No, he wants us to, he wants to prepare us to co-labor with him. And so remember back in the sergeant's examination, as I begin to compare myself, I remember Samuel, the prophet, when he began to anoint another king of Israel, he's be given a charge by God to go to Bethlehem. And he's going to anoint the next king. And what I love about God is he'll say, I want you to go to this city and I want you to anoint the next king. And I'll show you when you get there. <laughs> it's about God is he'll give you step one of your test and he'll give you step two of your press, but he doesn't give you all at once. No, it's that dependency and that faith. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll turn in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And this is where Samuel's going to anoint the next king of Israel, but he doesn't know who it is. He just knows where in Bethlehem, and he just knows it's one of Jesse's sons. And when he begins to see the firstborn son of Jesse, he begins to compare him. He begins to evaluate him on his physical characteristics, and he looks at him, and Eliab has got to be the oldest son of Jesse. He's got to be I don't know, 6'2", 240. He's got to be like the middle linebacker for, uh, for Tennessee. I caught myself, so I know y'all shot that. I'm guessing, even though this was in ancient times, so they didn't have football back then. I feel sorry for him. I would say he's like King Leonidas for the Spartans, you know, on 300. Just like, ah, Spartans, you know? That's what Eliab looks like, in my mind, at least. And so Samuel comes to anoint him and He's about to pour the anointing oil. And let's look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. That's a bad day when the Lord says, I've refused you. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord looks at the outward appearance the Lord looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance as man does. The Lord, he looks at the heart. He's looking for our readiness and our maturity. And I'll read on down to verse 13. So as Samuel is wanting to see who is the next king of Israel, who he's supposed to anoint, verse number eight. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse number nine, then Jesse made Shammah, passed by him. That's a fun name. Shammah. You know he's not going to pick. I'm sorry, that's not a good joke. Um, it was funny in my mind, but you know, it's not as funny as when you say it out loud. Sorry, Emily. I'll, I'll try better next time. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So he refused Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah because of their physical appearance. They didn't have what he was looking for. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and 
There he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down. We will not move forward until he comes here. Verse number 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Can you even see the excitement that Jesus is saying this to Samuel? Arise, anoint him. This is the one. This is the one that I've anointed. This is the one I've prepared. This is the one that I see something in his heart that the others don't have. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. And so the Lord does not look on the outward appearance. Thank God for that, for me, you know. You know, if Brad Pitt, for him, that's a bad deal because he's like the model of what we're supposed to look like as, as guys. So if the Lord is not looking on outward appearance, that's bad for Brad Pitt. For the other 98 million men, that's a good deal. So... <laughs> In his heart, though, David had something that moved the heart of God. What is that? I believe it's genuine honor. I believe David had something that was so rare at that time that when God saw it, he said, look at that. He has honor in his heart. What is genuine honor? Genuine honor is the ability to value others. It's the ability to look at somebody and look past the outward appearance, their physical circumstance, whatever they're going through, and see their worth, not only to God, but to me, to you. When we look at others and we can see their value and their worth, and then we begin to celebrate them, that is genuine honor and it's rare. Bill Johnson even describes honor as when we celebrate others for who they are without punishing them for who they're not. See, a lot of times we'll see somebody and they'll do a great deed. We'll say, Tom Brady, Brandon, is awesome. He's done something that nobody has ever done. He's won five Super Bowls and his accolades are this and that. But he cheated. I was honoring him right up until the moment I said, but. And then when I said, but, and I mentioned something that he may or may have not done, allegedly, allegedly Brandon, <laughs> all of the honor that I just showed him whoosh, out the door, it's not genuine honor. Genuine honor is when we have the ability to look at somebody, sir, in this Kansas City hat and honor their value and their importance and their worth. And everybody has something to contribute. And that's all the same. Just like in the promotional test, every single one of us had skills and abilities and giftings from God. He is just testing what's in our hearts. And what I love about it is when God sees something in our hearts, he wants to test it. He saw genuine honor in David's heart. And he said, not only am I about to test it to make it stronger, I'm going to test it and reveal it to him to, so he knows what's inside his own heart. Sometimes we don't even know what's in here until it's tested. And how many of you know that a God test is not one plus one? He doesn't ask you, Richard, can you solve what's blue and what's purple? I wish it were that easy. A God test, oh, Brandon, can you talk to me? 
a God test will pull your very soul out, it seems like, and you feel like you're dying. And sometimes you even pray, God, I'm like Elijah, can you take me now? As opposed to this test, because the test is grueling, but that's how he shows you what's really in our hearts. So God wanted to reveal the honor, the genuine honor that was in David's heart. And he was about to do it through a test. So if you have your Bibles, we'll look at the first test. Now, remember, David had just been anointed as the next king of Israel. That's a good day when you come home from work and there's the prophet of the Lord with the horn of the oil. And he said, here's the one, anoint him. That's a good day. That's something we can say, take up an offering, put up, strike up the praise man, and we're going for it. But that's not the end once you get anointed. So the first test that David had to pass to reveal the genuine honor in his heart is what I call the promotion test. Remember, he just gets anointed, and right after he gets anointed, what happens? There's a war. The Philistines march against Israel and they meet and their armies march out in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And there's three sons that get selected to go fight for their country. Now, if has anybody served in our United States military ever, if you'll raise your hand, please. Thank you for your service. Thank you, thank you, because it is a high honor to serve in our military and to defend it against our enemies. Back then, that was the highest honor, just like Leonidas, Spartans, you know, let's go. The highest honor, but if we read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 13, who was selected of Jesse's sons right after David gets anointed? The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul into battle. The names of the three sons who went into battle were Eliab, the firstborn, Next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul, or they were selected, or they were appointed to go. The other five were not allowed to go. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. David just got anointed king of Israel. There's a war. The only thing that's going to win the war is the anointing. It's not our skill and abilities and talents. When you are engaged in battle, the anointing is what makes the difference, and David had it. But he wasn't selected to go to the battle. Actually, the three people mentioned in the Bible that were selected to go were the three people that were passed over for promotion. So God is testing the genuine honor in David's heart. Even when he gets promoted, as king, and then he gets demoted, and his brothers get promoted. Have you ever been in a place in your life, at work, in ministry, in family, in school, whatever setting that you find yourself in, and there's something that you want? There's a promotion for sergeant in the sheriff's office. I really want that. And then you don't get selected, but your best friend does. <laughs> that will test if there's genuine honor in your heart for that person. Because I tell you, I didn't pass the honor test. I didn't pass the promotion test. When I wasn't selected and my best friend was, I was like, oh, praise God for you, kind of thing, you know, like, that. 
So we found in my heart all of these ugly emotions and this envy and this jealousy. And I'm like, my God, that was in there? Yes, it is. And the only way the Lord reveals it, really, what's in our hearts is through a test. And I failed that promotion test, but David didn't. That's what I love about David is when God sees something in your heart, he sees genuine honor in David's heart, he's going to reveal it to him through a test. And David could have set back. He could have said, no, I'm the king of Israel, not you. You're wrong. Saul's wrong. Jesse's wrong. They're all wrong. All wrong. I'm king, 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 playing the king card. No, he didn't do that. He honored them. And here's what I love about that second part of the promotion test. Not only did David have to pro, uh, honor them while they were promoted and he's demoted, now he had to serve his brothers who he was anointed instead of. If we can read a little bit further. Jesse said to David in verse number 17, take now to your brothers, an ephah of this dried grain and these 10 loaves and run it to your brothers in the camp and carry these 10 loaves of cheese to the captains of the thousands and see how your brothers are doing. He was anointed king of Israel and he got demoted to a pizza delivery guy. Not only did he have to honor his brothers when they got selected when he didn't, now he had to serve the people that were promoted over them. That is the true test of honor. Is there honor in your heart? He could have played the king card. Nope. I've been anointed king. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my day of opportunity. I'm waiting for this, the prophet Simon to come back and say, go to Jerusalem. Now is your time. He didn't, though. He went. He went. He passed the honor test. And what I love about David was he had no idea that God was setting him up for promotion. His promotion was at the battlefield. It wasn't in the shepherd fields. It was at the battlefield. The anointing that he gave him wasn't going to be wasted. No, he's going to use it at the battlefield, but he had to pass an honor test to get there. So he gets to the battlefield. And so I don't know if you've ever actually passed a test with God. I think my record for passing test is like three versus, let's see how many times I failed. I'm about 300, and now I'm three and 300. So if I was playing Major League Baseball, I wouldn't be playing baseball. You know, somebody with that kind of bad and average, you, this is not for you, son. You know, go back to school. But he goes and he serves and he gives them. And as soon as he gets there, oh, that's what I love about the God test is even when he's going through this, this test of the honor in his heart and he has to honor his brothers who didn't even honor him. And here's the thing, a quick thing about dishonor. That's the opposite of honor. It's when we treat someone as common, as ordinary. And it's no big deal that you see them. And God begins to open doors for people through the door of honor. And when his brothers dishonored David, they didn't even allow him to come to the anointing ceremony. He wasn't even invited to see one of his brothers get anointed. And guess what happens to them? Nothing. When we dishonor people and we treat them as common, as ordinary, nothing happens. Here's even the New Testament in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. We don't have to go there on the screens. But Jesus, the son of the living God, Jesus of Nazareth, returns to his hometown in Nazareth. And he begins to minister. But people were uh, offended by his teaching. Where did this man get all of these things? And he was marveled at their unbelief. 
and he couldn't perform many mighty miracles because of the dishonor in their hearts. The one place, Brandon, in Scripture where Jesus did not perform any mighty miracles was his own hometown. The one place, I mean, we call him Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Pastor Casey Doss, I am sure you've heard him say at least 100 times by now when he talks about Jesus, he, he calls him Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The one place that should be known for all of the miracles is actually known for none because of dishonor. Man, when we dishonor others, when we don't see them as special and viable, we keep that door of opportunity and promotion closed. So David gets to the battlefield to serve his brothers. And he's thinking that he's passed a test with God. And so he's going to get another one. He's going to get a reward. He's going to say, I passed an honor test. I'm king. Crown me king, 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 king. Crown right now, king, king, king. That's not how God works. When we pass an honor test or a God test, as I like to call them, usually the first time that we pass them, we get a second test immediately. And you're like, ah, oh, I just passed it. Just like my daughter, Savannah, she's in nursing school and she's in her finals week. And as she takes a test for nursing, she gets rewarded with another test the next day. You're like, oh, you're kidding me? When is this going to be over? So David's on the battlefield and his second test is about to show up because he hears the taunts of the giant Goliath. He hears the Philistine giant saying out to Israel, bring it. This guy is massive. He makes Leonidas look like a kindergartner, Goliath. He's three foot taller than everybody else. And he's got muscles upon muscles. His pinkies has got muscles. His weapons are massive. And he's threatening them and taunting them. Bring somebody out to fight me. Whoever wins that army will serve the winning army. And everybody's scared, scared out of their minds. You know why? They don't have the anointing. David gets to the battlefield. He hears the taunts. He's got the anointing. He's not afraid. Men who have been in soldiers all of their lives that know how to fight, that are skilled, are afraid of this man. David comes with the anointing, and it's the anointing that makes the difference. It's the anointing that wins these battles that flesh cannot. He wasn't afraid. And so he began to ask people, what's going to happen to the man that kills the giant? And they tell him, and look, who shows up again in Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 28. Now, Eliab, we've heard that name twice, his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness, your highness? Can you see the dishonor there? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. You have come down here to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Here's the second test is the test of, of reciprocity. Can we honor those who do not reciprocate? Can we honor those and celebrate and see the value and the worth of somebody who doesn't reciprocate it back to you? Can we honor somebody when they insult you? That is a hard Solomon Reese, man of God. Sorry, I just saw you. I love you, brother. 
I honor you. Solomon's easy to honor. Eliab's not. Eliab is insulting David. Clearly he's offended. Clearly he's wounded by what David's saying. And he begins to taunt him just like the giant was. Can we honor somebody when they insult us? You can if you have the anointing. <laughs> it's the anointing that makes the difference. And God saw genuine, true honor in David's heart. And so he began to test it to reveal to David, you have honors where others don't. And so David could have said, hey, brother, you remember what happened two weeks ago? And they said, you're yes, not the one. Eliab's not the one. Abinadab's not the one. Shammah's not the one. I'm the one. No. He just said, isn't there a righteous cause for us to take out the Philistine? He continued to honor even when insulted. And I seem to remember another scripture in the New Testament where somebody was being insulted and they chose not to say anything in return and they honored them. Here's Jesus, the son of the living God, the complete manifestation of God upon the earth, crucified on a tree. And still the Pharisees come at him and look at him and insult him. If you are the king of Israel, come down. If you are the son of God, come down. And he didn't say anything. They're insulting him. Even one of the people, Brandon, and was crucified with him. One of the thieves says, if you are the son of God, come off the cross and save yourself. Oh yeah, save me too. Just insulting him. And you know what Jesus says? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have honor in their heart. Do you see what happens when we dishonor others? Nothing. But when we have honor towards one another, and we celebrate others, miracles begin to happen because as soon as David passed that test, oh, 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 the giant says, for the 41st day, the 81st time, because Goliath had taunted them for 40 days and 40 nights, twice a day for 40 days, 80 times Goliath has taunted the children and the armies of Israel, but on the 81st day, David walks out. You know what I love about the Bible? There's not much description about the fight. When you pass the honor test, you have the anointing, you get rewarded with the authority to operate in that anointing. And so David is almost kind of like, you know, let me at him. And when the battle's on, he runs down to the battlefield and he takes a slingshot. I mean, there's just not much of a battle. And it's so impressive that after he goes down, he takes Goliath's sword, because David didn't even take one, and cuts off his head. And he starts parading around the battlefield with Goliath's head. That anointing empowered the other army of Israel to chase down all the Philistines. When we honor others and we're released into the authority of the operating the anointing that's on each one of our lives, it empowers others. When we go through these these God tests to show us what's in our heart, it's not just about us. When we pass these God tests, 
what we're doing is empowering others. That's how the kingdom of God advances upon the earth when we pass these tests. So David passed the promotion test. He was able to honor when others were promoted and he was actually demoted. He was actually able to pass the reciprocal test and honor when others aren't reciprocating towards him and actually insulting him. And then the ticker tape parade. Finally, this is what he's been longing for is finally the celebration comes. I finally passed a test and they go into Jerusalem and the women begin to sing David, David, David. They begin to sing Saul, 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 Saul slays his thousands, but David slays his tens of thousands. And David said, what did, uh, Saul said, what did they say? Uh, can we sing that chorus one more time? I think they just said that I kill thousands, but David kills tens of thousands. What's up with that? Actually, let's read that in scripture because David is about to take another honor test. First Samuel chapter 18, verse number eight, and Saul was very angry at this scene and displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David 10,000s and to me, they've ascribed only thousands. Can you see the lack of honor in Saul's heart? Now, what more can he do but the kingdom? What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him for, but had departed from Saul. This is the hardest test to pass when God sees honor, genuine honor in our hearts and he begins to reveal it to us, to strengthen us, to carry his glory, the mistreatment by authority. When you do everything right, when you're honoring others and the authority in your life, whether that is at work, your supervisor, foreman, manager, whether you're at home, your parents. I can say this because I'm a parent. Maybe I've mistreated the people under my care. Maybe even pastoral. There will come a time in your lives where God sees honor in our hearts and he'll begin to test it. And the hardest one to pass is when you're mistreated by the own authority. David had just killed Goliath. He did what no other man could do. And his reward for that was someone, his own authority threw a spear at him to kill him. Time and time again, Saul began to chase David down and David refused, refused to respond in anything but genuine honor. Saul came after him one time and he said, why are you chasing me? I'm a dog. You're the king of Israel. He could have said, yeah, I got the anointing, brother. I'm the one that took out Goliath. That was your job, but I did it. He didn't do that. No, he honored the authority in his life, even when they mistreated him. And when you pass the mistreatment by authority test, miracles happen. How do I know this? Because it happened to me. 2008, 
was working for the sheriff's office where I'd taken the sergeant's exam and I didn't get it. And I got offended. And my attitude got really bad. This is one of the 300 times that I failed the honor test. <laughs> and a good friend of mine called me on it. He said, Richard, you're a Christian. Your attitude's horrible. What are you doing? You're losing your witness. So I prayed this prayer, Father, I repent. I'm sorry. I've had a bad attitude. Can you send me another opportunity to pass this test? Which I thought in my mind was I would have to take the sergeant's test over again and fail it and then have an opportunity to respond properly and honor the people who were promoted. Oh, but God is much greater and quicker than that. So to make a very long story short, there were some gentlemen that came down from Washington, D.C., broke into a gun store in the county that I worked in, stole 34 handguns, went back to D.C. and sold them all. And through a, an unbelievable investigation, we were able to catch them. And I went up to D.C. and I helped the ATF and we arrested them and we recovered some of the guns and it was great. I made a few mistakes. And when you make a mistake and you're about to go through an honor test, it gets magnified. And so I got in trouble at work and they suspended me for three days. And I've never been in trouble a day in my life. I was trying to be that shining example. And my wife said, Richard, you need to go to WWBT 12 News. What they're doing to you is wrong, my friends. Because they loved me and saw how harsh that treatment was. And I'm not saying it was harsh, but it was hard. But I decided, no. This isn't the answer to prayer. I asked God for an opportunity where something wouldn't go my way and I could respond in genuine honor. That was June in 2008. And so people would come to me and say, you've got to complain, you've got to complain. And I said, no, I'm going to honor them. I'm going to honor the authority in my life. That was in June in 2008. And what you don't know is I was living in a sin cycle. I had 21 years of a sin cycle that I couldn't get free from. From the age of 15 to 36, I could not get free. The sin of lust would just pull me anytime it wanted. And I hated it and I tried to get free. I tried to get clean. I was in church. I was an elder. I would come to altar call after altar call and nothing happened. In June 2008, the situation happened and I chose to honor. One year almost to the day, almost to the day in June of 2009, a friend introduces me to a podcast from The Ramp almost to the day, and I heard it, and the podcast exploded in me, exploded in me, this revelation of who Jesus was that I couldn't see. Three months later, I get baptized again, August 30th, 2009, and the sin cycle broke just like that. And I firmly believe it was that honor test in 2008 that set me up to receive that in 2009. It's almost to the day, Sabrina, almost to the day. See, when we pass the honor test, and I'm not trying to glorify myself, I'm glorifying him, because my record clearly shows three and 300. I'm not up here bragging on me, I'm bragging on him because he didn't look at my 300 failures. He saw genuine honor in my heart and he stood with me until I passed it. And to, to him, three passes is greater than 300 fails. But when we pass this honor test, miracles happen. Miracles begin to flow like never before. And that's what we want. We wanna see miracles happen. We wanna see we want to see the kingdom of God 
advance on the earth. I'll end with this in Matthew chapter eight. A Roman centurion comes to Jesus. An occupying army over Israel comes to Jesus. And he gets on his hands and his knees and he begs Jesus to send the word to heal his servant. Jesus is marveled at his faith, at his honor. He said, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. The way this Roman centurion honored Jesus in front of everyone and humbled himself, released a miracle into his servant's life. This is what honor does. It releases life. It releases miracles. This is what honor does. It opens doors of opportunity that have been closed, honestly, for way too long. For everyone to stand to your feet. I sense the presence of the Lord. And I know this for a fact, that if the Lord is leading Pastor Casey to teach on passing God tests, it's because the Lord is seeing honor in our hearts and the other things that Pastor Casey's gonna teach on, God sees it in the hearts in this room and he wants to reveal it to you because he wants to see miracles flow into Knoxville even greater than we do. He wants to see that door of honor open and release where miracles happen. That's what honor does, it releases life. So I just wanna bless you with today. I, Father, I bless your people, your sons and daughters. I thank you that you are showing them that you see genuine honor in their hearts and you're for them and you want to strengthen them, encourage them so you can pour out your glory on them so they can advance your kingdom, the name of Jesus onto the earth. Thank you, Father. We're asking, Father, for your kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray right now for your people, for sons and daughters to be strengthened with honor as they go through these honors tests that you will be with them that you give them grace and the strength to pass these tests to reveal not only to others, but to themselves, the honor and the patience that's in their hearts. Thank you, Father, for miracles that will happen. They will happen in Knoxville and they will happen soon. I declare that over this house, over every individual heart, miracles will happen not only in church services, but at home, at work, in your travels, miracles, life, in Jesus' name. Amen. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church/give. 